Chapter 4 The Education of Jake The decision had been a long time coming. George had known for years that he was going to lose Jake altogether if he didn't let him go. It was just a matter of time. When he thought about it, he realized that the biggest changes started the day Izzy shot that 14-point buck. Jake, who had never been a big fan of his father's obsession with making the ranch into an impenetrable fortress for the coming apocalypse, began to openly rebel. It started with snarky little comments when he was 13 and escalated to all-out rebellion by the time he reached his 15th birthday. But there was more to it. And the more he thought about it, the more he realized what he had always known. Jake was different. He had always been different. In the end, it was the process of elimination that left George with the conclusion that his son was gay. George was too pragmatic for his son's sexual orientation to be a big issue. In the end, it didn't really matter to him. What was a problem, however, was how it would impact his plans to ready his children for the big change that he knew was coming. In some ways, his decision to homeschool Izzy and Jake was a blessing in light of his realization that Jake was probably gay. He wouldn't be bullied, made fun of, or stigmatized by other students. But in other ways, it was the worst possible choice because it also meant that Jake wouldn't be able to socialize normally with others and come to grips with his sexuality. This was the dilemma that made George realize that eventually he would have to let Jake go. He hoped that he could wait it out long enough to keep him at home through high school, in which case he would let him go away to college. But by the time Jake turned 15, he knew that he would not make it that long. He would have to let him finish high school in a public school. Never one to issue dictatorial edicts and the like, George instead made a deal with Jake. If he saw to it that the solar field was completed and operational on time, George would let him go to public school for his junior and senior years of high school. It was two days after his 15th birthday, and when he found out, Jake was more than thrilled, until George dropped the next condition on him. And you also need to adjust your attitude. No more snide remarks or static about your chores. And I'll also have a zero-tolerance policy towards talking back, George explained with a firm tone. He could see Jake's face drop. Completing the solar field on time would be difficult, but at least it was possible. But George could see the wheels turning in Jake's head about the no backtalk provision. That's not fair, Dad, Jake whined. Which part, George asked. When Jake remained silent, he pushed further. Help me understand, please. It's not fair that I ask you to complete your chores without snide remarks or static? What's not fair about that? Nothing, I guess, Jake mumbled. Well, I think the easier part is the solar field, right? I mean, you've already been working on that, and it's on schedule so far, so I'm sure you're okay with that, right? Yeah. So I guess that leaves the no backtalk provision. Jake looked up. Seriously? George was kind of having fun, but it was short-lived. Jake's silence was pissing him off. You're seriously going to jeopardize the one thing you want more than anything in the world because you can't agree to keep your smart-ass mouth shut? 
George thought saying the words out loud would calm him down, but it had the opposite effect. As he looked at his son, he could see that Jake had already thought up a smart-ass comment. This pissed him off even more. Seriously, Jake? What? I didn't say anything. But you thought up a smart-ass comment, didn't you? Jake smirked. Didn't you? No. You just can't help yourself, can you? What the hell is wrong with you? What? Jake asked. His tone was innocent, but the hint of a smirk remained. George took a deep breath and strategized. I'll tell you what, George said calmly. I'll give you a freebie. Jake looked at his father again, curious. A freebie, he asked. Yeah, I know you're just dying to let loose with some smart-ass remark. I promise I won't hold it against you. So tell me, what are you dying to say? Really? You won't go postal on me for saying it? Really, I give you my word. Now it was George's turn to smirk ever so slightly. He knew it would drive Jake crazy trying to figure out the game he was playing. Uh, I was going to say, Jake started, I was going to say, go ahead, spit it out. I was going to say that going to public school isn't the thing I want most in the world. It's not? No, it's not. What is? Jake looked down at the top of his shoes. Uh, a normal family and a normal childhood? George was stunned by the velocity of that remark. It literally took his breath away for a moment. He gasped for air, something that Jake saw and heard, and he was immediately sorry he said it. He started to apologize, but George just raised his hand to silence him. Go to school. I'll call them in the morning. What? I, I haven't signed up. Go to school. Go be normal. And with that, George stumbled into the house. Jake stood there on the porch for a solid 15 minutes, waiting for his dad to come back out and explain, but he never did. Never before had George let his emotions dictate an important decision. He had always been so calm and cool under pressure that nothing like this had ever happened before. All of the careful planning, building, and training had been flushed down the toilet in about a second. Jake would attend public school starting immediately. Izzy did not take the news well. What did you do, Jake? She cried when her brother broke the news. Nothing, Izzy, I swear. We were just talking and then he just told me to go to public school. You're lying, she screamed. Daddy wants us here. He needs us here. What did you say? I just said that I wanted a normal family and a normal childhood. That's all. Izzy was silent for a moment. Oh, my God, Jake, she whispered. How could you? What? Jake asked. The innocence in his voice was genuine. He just didn't get it. How could you be so hurtful to him? Do you know what he's gone through since Mom died? Jake was silent. I love you, Jake, but sometimes you act like a four-year-old. Great. You're mad at me, too? Izzy stood up and hugged Jake. She whispered into his ear, Not mad, Jake. Just profoundly disappointed. She turned and walked towards her room. But Jake wasn't finished with her yet. He grabbed her arm. 
She turned and faced him. What about me? He asked, a tear welling up in his eye. Exactly, she said. Exactly? Exactly what? He asked. What is that supposed to mean? What about me is exactly the problem, Izzy explained. It's the first thing you always say. You don't ask why. You don't think about the circumstances or your surroundings or the other people involved. You just ask, what about me? And expect that everything everyone does must somehow be related to your personal enjoyment or edification. Izzy paused when she saw Jake's confused look. Edification. You know what that means, right? Yes, I know what it means, Jake shot back. Oh, okay. You looked confused. Jake took a deep breath, started to say something, and then looked away. Am I really that selfish? He asked softly. Yes, you are. Not all the time, but, well, yeah, pretty much all the time, Izzy said without a hint of her usual sarcasm. When she saw how hurt Jake was by this revelation, she softened. She closed the distance between them, reached up, and put her hand on his shoulder, giving it a gentle squeeze. I love you, Jake. You're my big brother and my hero, but sometimes you can be such a dick. When Jake started to say something, she put her finger on his lips and hushed him. Not now, Jake. Not now. She went to her room and closed the door. Again, Jake was left standing alone, wondering what had just happened. He realized that he got what he wanted, but had no idea of the cost. He had hurt the two people in his life that he truly loved to an extent that he couldn't possibly know. As he walked back to his room, he felt a tear forming in the corner of his eye. As he reached for the door handle, the tear dropped onto his cheek and made a slow march down to the corner of his mouth, where his tongue flicked out to lick it away. He started to reach up with the back of his hand to wipe his face, but changed his mind and left his cheek damp as he looked out his window at the various construction zones on the property. From his window, he could see most of the lower part of the huge property, and there were at least six distinct construction projects underway. He looked to his left at the plateau where the framework for the solar field was taking shape. That would be his project, and he was familiar with that. He realized that he had no idea what any of the others were. All of this was such important to his father, and to a lesser extent to his sister, but he was totally clueless. His sister was right. He was being a dick. He turned away from the window, closed the blinds, and lay down on his bed. He decided that tomorrow he would find out everything he could about his father's plans, and he would dedicate himself to helping as much as he possibly could. His days of being a selfish, self-absorbed douchebag to his family were over. The next morning, Jake got his first glance at the extreme extent of his father's obsession with making the ranch a safe haven for him and his sister. While he was still convinced that his dad wasn't all there mentally, he had no choice but to admire the man's intellect and devotion. He'd risen early enough to catch Izzy as she headed out to the stables for her morning ride. Can I come? Jake asked. Sure, Izzy answered easily. She shrugged her shoulders, not seeming to care. If you want to. With that, she turned and headed up the hill at a brisk walk. Jake followed in silence. 
Once at the stables, Izzy picked up a handful of fresh carrots from the bin at the entrance and stopped at each stall, giving all of the horses a treat. They loved this little ritual, and if there was any any doubt as to the intelligence of these magnificent beasts, it would instantly disappear when someone saw how the horses each lined up, head poking over their stalls, watching her approach with kind words, a fresh carrot, and a gentle rub of their face. Jake marveled at her as she approached Zena, her prized mare. Even though she was last in line for the treats, she didn't seem to mind. She knew that she was going to get extra attention. Are you going to ride? She asked Jake. Um, yeah. Uh, why don't you go take Rommel? She suggested. Okay. Jake headed for the tack room and emerged a few minutes later with his saddle and bridle. She, Izzy did the same, and in a few minutes, they were riding at a trot, heading further up the hill towards the national forest that abutted their property. Jake had never been up this early on horseback. In fact, now that he thought about it, it had been several years since he'd been riding with Izzy. It was nice. I thought about what you said last night, Iz. And? And you were right, he admitted. Izzy looked back over her shoulder with raised eyebrows. Really? she asked with a bit of sarcasm. Yeah, really, Jake looked away. I've been a bit of a douchebag. Izzy smiled at him. Okay, then. I'm going to change. Really, she said with even more sarcasm. Just like that? Just like that, Jake said emphatically. But Izzy laughed. I knew it was too good to be true. But what? Jake blushed. But I don't know where to start. Izzy raised her eyebrows again and turned away quickly, stifling a giggle. This was going to be interesting. When she composed herself, she turned back to him. Have you read Dad's doctoral dissertation yet? No. Well, that's where you need to start, she offered. Before you can understand what he's trying to do here, you need to understand why. I know he thinks the world is going to end, Jake said. Yeah, but you also think he's crazy for thinking that, right? Jake didn't answer. Right? She asked him again. Kind of. Read the dissertation and you'll see the scientific evidence that he believes in. He may be wrong, but he's not crazy. It's not like those other people who believe in some ancient scrolls or who rely on a narrow interpretation of a Bible passage. His beliefs are completely based on the science. Really? Yeah, really. I don't understand everything yet, but I understand most of it, and he makes some pretty convincing arguments. Okay, I'll read it. Then what? Izzy stopped Zena and rubbed the horse's neck with warmth and affection. She really loved this horse. And while Zena couldn't express her feeling in words, the way she, the horse turned her head and rubbed Izzy back confirmed, to the extent possible, that the horse loved Izzy just as much. She dismounted and gestured for Jake to do the same. She walked a short distance to a perch overlooking the entire property. Jake hadn't realized how far they had gone. For the first time, he approached the expanse of the property and the extent of the renovations. Izzy pointed to a large pit below them. 
This is going to be the central command bunker, she said as she pointed. Do you see the drainage canals? Yeah, they look like a spider web. Exactly. They're going to be tunnels connecting to other areas of the compound. From the central bunker, we'll be able to go almost anywhere on the property without being seen. Jake took this in, not yet impressed. Izzy pointed to a huge flat area where a fully functional cement depot was operating at full capacity. The reason Dad bought the cement company was so that he could have an unlimited supply of cement and all the trucks we need to undertake all the projects without raising suspicion. He hires contract workers on three-month contracts, so there won't be anybody who will know the full extent of what he's building. Jake smirked. That doesn't seem even a little bit crazy to you? Izzy ignored him and went on. Right next to the cement depot is our prefab area. He's built molds into the ground where they're constantly making reinforced concrete slabs. These slabs are like building blocks for everything else he's building. Have you noticed how all the trucks leaving the property are covered in tarps? Yeah. Well, most of them are empty. This Jake got Jake's attention. He had no idea. Really? Yeah. If anybody were paying attention, they'd think that we were making prefab panels and delivering them to clients. 80% of them are actually staying right here. Jake stood silently and considered all of this information. All he could muster was, wow. Yeah, wow. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, Izzy said. You know that our property has three freshwater wells on it, right? I guess. One of the first things he did when he bought the property was he put high-capacity water pumps on all three wells. We're talking about survival, right? You are. Do you know how much water we need every day to survive? No. Care to guess? Quit showing off and just tell me. Izzy smiled. She was showing off. Well, the bare minimum is one gallon a day for drinking and twice that for cooking and cleaning. But most survival experts say that you should figure five to seven gallons per day per person. That sounds about right, Jake said with authority, as if he was instructing Izzy. Izzy started laughing at Jake. Yeah, right. She punched him in the arm playfully. In a worst-case scenario... Dad figures that we may need up to 100 people living here to help us with security, harvest, and maintenance. I think it'll be mainly for security. That's quite an army. Yeah, and we'll need a lot of water. So right beneath our feet, he built a water storage facility. I think he said it will hold five or 600,000 gallons of water, enough for 100 people for a year. Seriously? Quit asking me that. Sorry. Yes, seriously. And that's just the drinking water. He has another whole system for irrigation and crops. This is one of the things that he's really worried about, because he thinks that people will be killing for food and water. We can only survive three days without water, and once the power grids go down, there will be very few sources of clean water for most of the population. Uh, I gotta get to school. Seriously? Yeah. You asked me to show you what's going on, and that's all the attention you can spare? Izzy asked, getting frustrated. It's a little bit much to take in all at once, Iz. Give me a break, okay? Whatever. 
Izzy hopped up onto Zena and started back to the house. Jake followed. As he watched Izzy's back as they rode back to the house, two thoughts began dancing around in Jake's head. The first was just how crazy obsessed and thorough his dad was being in readying for the big change. If all of what Izzy had told him were true, their property would certainly be one of the most secure private estates in history. At that moment, he couldn't imagine how many men would be required to take the property by force. And they'd need tanks, maybe even helicopters. And there was more, much more that he didn't know. All of these thoughts swirled through his head as he looked at his little sister in front of him, riding tall in the saddle with her back erect. What struck him in that moment was how damn smart she was. A chill went down his spine and it made him shiver. If she was this smart at 12, how smart would she be when she was his age? He shivered again as his emotions collided. He was proud of her, but scared of her. He felt happy that she loved him enough to share her time and knowledge with him, but he was also jealous that she knew so much and he so little. He frowned as he felt the pangs of jealousy begin to take root and grow. He felt a sudden urge to prove his dominance over his sibling. He kicked Rommel hard and galloped by Izzy, urging her to race. After he was several yards ahead, he looked back and saw Izzy still trotting. Damn you, Izzy, he exclaimed to himself, disappointed for needing to race and angry at Izzy for not cooperating. As he continued at a full gallop, he thought he saw her smile at him. His anger continued to boil as he closed the distance to the house. <laughs>